0: And welcome to With Rifle and Pack. In today's podcast, I'm looking at the history of a small island off the northern coast of Kent in England, in the Thames Estuary, the place where I grew up. The Isle of Sheppey is only nine miles long by four miles wide and has a population of around 38,000. It's about 46 miles east of London and is separated from the mainland by a channel called the Swale, which was often used by ships to shelter from bad weather in the Thames Estuary or the North Sea. It's actually made up of three islands, Sheppey, the Isle of Hearty, and the Isle of Elmley, and it used to be known as the Isles of Sheppey before the channels between them silted up. For a tiny island, it is notable for many historical events, so let's take a look at a few. Going right back into prehistory, fossils of crustaceans, shark teeth and bones, snake skeletons, bird skulls and ancient fruits and seeds have been discovered. The most exciting find was a fossil skull of a large flying bird from the Eocene period, in the deposits of the London clay on the island. So no T-Rex is here then, it appears. We don't know what the Romans called the island. Ptolemy mentions two islands in this part of Britain called Teliopis and Cunus, and some scholars think that Teliopis refers to Sheppey. The word Sheppey, however, is derived from the ancient Saxon scapig, meaning Isle of Sheep. It's not difficult to understand why it got this name when you visit the island and see the large flocks of sheep in the extensive marshes. The Saxons themselves made the Isle of Thanet their re- main residence in the area, but Sheppey was to become a major place of interest for invading Danish forces in the 9th century. The first recorded mention of their presence on the island is in 832, and they plundered the churches and stole many precious artefacts before returning to their ships. They are said to have wintered there in 849, again in 851 during the reign of King Athelstan, and yet again in the winter of 854-55. to 55. In the lower or southern part of this island there are several large barrows or tumuli, and these are said to be the graves of Danish leaders slain during these invasions. It's rumoured that Offa, King of Mercia, went on pilgrimage to Rome in 796 and died here when he returned, although he was buried at Bedford. One of the island's most important historical buildings is Minster Abbey, or the Abbey Church of the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Sexburger, which is his real name. It has been a place of worship for over 1400 years, and is still used as a church today, and indeed my parents were married there. It occupies the highest hilltop position on the otherwise flat island. It was originally a Benedictine convent, and became a Royal Saxon Abbey after being founded in 664 AD by Queen Sexburger of Kent. It was endowed with land given by her son, Ercumbert, King of Kent. Because there was no suitable stone on the island, it was hewn at Baltimore and Chelsea and brought down the River Medway and the Swale. In the walls of the St. Sexburger Chapel, you can still see early Saxon stone and old Roman tiles. Three wells from the Priory also still exist and are still functioning. The Vikings damaged the abbey in the 9th and 11th centuries, but didn't manage to destroy it. Above the northeast door, you can find a carving of the Green Man, the ancient symbol of fertility, which suggests the original builders supported both ancient religions and Christianity. King William the Conqueror partly rebuilt the church and priory after the invasion of 1066, and it was further developed by Archbishop de Corby between 1123 and 1139, using stone from the same quarry that provided the stone for Canterbury Cathedral. Two adjacent churches were built the northern church for the nuns and the southern church for the parishioners, with curtains hung to up cover the arches which separated them both. The Nun's Chapel, or the Sexberger Chapel in the north-east, is separated from the North Isle by a 12th-century oak screen. There is a fascinating collection of monuments in the church that illustrate development in English armour from the 14th to the 16th centuries. The earliest is that of the baron Robert de Sherland, who died in 1327, Legend says that Sir Robert killed a monk in a fit of anger, but later regretted it, and so he decided to ask the king for a pardon. In 1327 he rode to where the king's ship was anchored, and the king forgave him. However, on the way home he met a witch who stated that his horse, called Grey Dolphin, would be the cause of his death, so Sir Robert immediately killed the horse and cut off its head. Only a year later he was walking along the shore when a shard of the horse's bone pierced his foot. Blood poisoning set in and Sir Robert died. Kind of serves him right, I think. Anyway, his effigy lies on an altar tomb on the south side and at his feet is the head of his horse, Grey Dolphin. There is a pair of famous brasses called the de Northwood Brasses between the choir stalls and the chancel of the main church. They date from about 1330 and there are only three other earlier brasses in the country that show female clothing of this period. Sir Thomas Cheney was Sheriff of Kent from 1516 and Lord Warden of the St. Ports from 1536 until his death. He held this position through the reigns of all five of the Tudor monarchs and he became one of the most powerful men in the southeast of England. He served as treasurer of the household for Henry VIII and even retained the post under Mary I. He is buried here and he gave his name to a boy's middle school at the time that I lived there. There is also an effigy of a man wearing high gothic armour from around the late 15th century. This could be Sir Hugh de Battlesmere, a Yorkist soldier who fought in the Wars of the Roses, although some people think it may be George I, Duke of Clarence, because he was constable of the nearby Queenborough Castle. In 1833, another effigy of early 15th century date was dug up in the churchyard, and some sources suggest this represents the wonderfully named General Geronimo, he appears in the register as being buried in December 1591 after being captured in a Spanish galleon by Sir Edward Hobie in 1588. He was held hostage in Queenborough Castle, but the ransom was never paid and unfortunately he died in captivity. Most of the abbey was eventually demolished except for the church and the adjacent Abbey Gatehouse, which survived because it was used as a private residence. It now contains an interesting local history museum. Interestingly, the church in chapters 46 to 53 of the old curiosity shop by Charles Dickens is apparently based on Minster Abbey. Dickens started the book while staying with a colleague in Prospect Villa close to the abbey. Another important historical building was known in Saxon times as Killingborough, Kingsborough, but we now know it as Queenborough Castle. Built on the site of a much earlier but smaller castle, The fortress was built under the command of King Edward III between 1361 to 1377, renamed after his Queen Philippa. It was built to guard the passage of ships along the Swale during the Hundred Years' War with France, and it was an easily defensible centre for the export of wool, a significant crown revenue. The current building is round and symmetrical, and it bears similarities to Henry VIII's device forts of the 16th century and was probably designed that way to defend against and to make best use of gunpowder artillery. It is said to have influenced the construction of nearby deal and warmer castles. During the First World War, troops were billeted at the Great Hall, and it suffered considerable damage as a result. There has been no record of anyone living in the Hall since. It is a Grade II listed building, and awaits reconstruction by English Heritage. Planning applications have been made to use part of the site for housing. Unfortunately, Sheppey was one of the few areas of what is now the United Kingdom that was lost, albeit temporarily, to a foreign power since William the Conqueror's invasion in 1066. This occurred in June 1667, when a Dutch fleet of 72 ships sailing up the Thames Estuary for the Medway captured the fort at Sheerness. At the time, the fort was incomplete and the garrison was underfed and underpaid, so there was little resistance to the heavily armed Dutch navy. According to Samuel Pepys, who was then Secretary of the Navy Board and who established the Royal Navy Dockyard in the 17th century, the Dutch Navy included deserters from the English Royal Navy. Pepys described Sheneth in his diary as lost after two or three hours' dispute and declared that where he was situated in the nearby town of Gravesend, we do plainly at this time hear the guns play. The Dutch occupied the whole island for several days before leaving with supplies, ammunition and guns and setting fire to everything they could. The next notable historical event occurred in December 1688. The Catholic King James II, when fleeing from Protestant William of Orange, landed at Elmley but was mobbed by local fishermen who thought he was the locally hated Jesuit called Edward Peter and they stole his money, watch and coronation ring. Eventually, one of the assailants recognised him, and they took him in custody to Faversham, where he was detained. Nelson was also based at the naval dockyard, and his body was returned to Cheness after he died at the Battle of Trafalgar. About 200 shipwrecks are recorded around the coast of Sheppey. The most famous of these is the American Liberty ship that grounded on sandbanks during the Second World War, the SS Richard Montgomery. It was carrying 1,400 tonnes of bombs and explosives. When the tide is low, you can still see the mast protruding through the waves. Interestingly, the island is the northernmost place to have an established scorpion population. Probably imported on a ship, Euscorpius flavicordis has been resident since the 1860s. The island has been called the birthplace of British aviation and it has a long history of aviation development in England. Lord Brabazon's Royal Aero Club was formed here in Laysdown in the early 1900s to popularise ballooning, while in July 1909 the Short Brothers established Shell Beach Aerodrome on nearby marshland to accommodate six Wright flyers. This was moved to an aerodrome in Eastchurch a year later, and this airfield played a significant role in the history of British aviation from 1909, when land was converted into an airfield for members of the Aero Club of Great Britain. Distinguished aviators such as the Shorts, Rolls and Wrights were all based here. The Short brothers, Horace, Eustace and Oswald, built aircraft at Battersea which were tested at the site. Wilbur and Orville Wright also visited the aero club, while in 1909 John Brabison made the first live cargo flight by fixed-wing aircraft. He tied a waste paper basket to a wing strut of his Shorts-built Wright aircraft and used it as a cargo hold to airlift a small pig flying 500 yards at a height of 35 feet so pigs do fly. In July 1911 the East Church Airfield was the site of the competition for the Gordon Bennett Cup for powered air racing attended by flyers from all over the world. So you can see that even this little island played a part in English history. Thank you for listening to this with Rifle and Pack podcast. Kia ora and have a great day.